0: Hello everybody and thank you for joining us for another week of the Play Sheet Podcast. I'm Charles and as always I'm joined by my good friend Joe. Hey there Charles. Oh Joe, I mean, hate to bang on about it. We mentioned it last week but before we jump into proceedings it kind of feels like we we have to talk about tour a bit, don't we?
1: Well yeah, um, unbelievable really. We spoke about it last week. Uh, as our listeners know, we record on a Tuesday, and today, during Tuesday, he's being interviewed by the NFL and the NFL Plays Association. One head has fallen already from the fallout of Sunday's game. Sorry, Thursday's game. The unaffiliated doctor for the team has been fired, resigned. I mean, that's a good start, but I'd be surprised if they stopped with him in terms of people who are going to be punished for this. <laughs>
0: Yeah and I th- I think it's quite important to call this out or certainly it's something that I want to talk about because I've also seen a lot of people on social media throwing quite a bit of shade to his way and saying look you know he chose to play he decided to play he said he was fit and healthy to go ridiculous the thing is the player is always going to want to play that is the very nature of them being competitive athletes and the whole reason that the league has processes put in place is because they are not impartial people as part of this process. And so impartial people need to be present to make sure that safe decisions are made. And that's what...
1: Yeah, how many people go to work when they've got the sniffles or they've got a cold and they know they shouldn't really go to work? Like, this is even less than that because... There's such an expectation and such a wave of sentiment that he's gotta play, the quarterback's gotta play, we've gotta have our players fit. Blaming Tua is one of the dumbest things that you could do.
0: Completely agree. I think, you know, this falls on people that are put in place to to protect players, and it was quite clear that the doctor in this situation was unable to do that. But I agree with you. You've got to ask the question why, because surely it it wasn't just his own volition. He didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to make sure two are plays. Like, surely there's something else going on there. You'd expect an investigation to take place and more people to fall out of this, you'd have thought.
1: Well, let's just be uh, naive about this for a second and say, you know, the doctor just wasn't very good at his job. He wasn't under any duress. He just made that decision independently. Mike McDaniel... Watch Tua walk off the field on the Sunday previous. And uh, what's that saying? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck? Well, Tua was walking like a duck, literally. It didn't take a doctor or a neurosurgeon to see that this was someone who was concussed. If you look at Tua coming off that field and you think he's got a back injury, you shouldn't be in paid employment, let alone the head coach of a football <laughs> yeah, team. I completely um, agree. <laughs> Mike McDaniel was giving it all the chat about how they're all for player welfare and they're not about not taking concussion uh, protocols seriously. I just don't believe him. Everyone saw to a walk off that field, Mike McDaniel. Ultimately, he's the person who's responsible for everyone in that organization. And he let this go on. I feel there should be a question mark over his head right now.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky one look, let's let the league figure this out and and see where things land. But it's definitely one to keep an eye on. But we
1: know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be a fine. There'll be fines. There'll be fines. I don't think the NFL realizes how badly the Dolphins, and they themselves have shot themselves in the foot with us. Because for all the chat we've had over the last five, seven years since the NFL got its pants sued off in concussion and head injuries, in all that time they've been talking about player welfare, protocols etc etc the trust and the whole program has been undermined in the space of four days by the treatment of tour
0: yeah and you know you talk about teams that shoot themselves in the foot tour was concussed if he had stayed away he could be playing this week coming up
1: he could have been through the protocols Yes, yeah, exactly
0: yeah. and and yeah. now we have no idea how long he's going to be kept away from the team because he'll be wrapped in cotton wool now, now that this has gone down. So they'll have potentially lost him for a far greater period of time than they would have had they just made him sit out again.
1: What if he comes back and it happens again man?
0: I Well, yeah. What if
1: he comes back, can you just imagine it? First game back, takes a sack, hardly even grazes the floor, but he gets up and he's walking all jittery. There's very few positive outcomes for how this can go now just terrible decision making terrible leadership in the organization and i would feel that it would be a shocking injustice if it's only the unaffiliated doctor who falls on his sword for this
0: yeah i agree so let's get into proper football joe and let's talk about uh, some of the games this weekend and keeping with the theme of big hits shall we Shall we talk about the rams and the 49ers
1: yeah, the big hits. Don't run on a pitch with a flare. Uh, and that goes to everyone going to the London game this weekend. Um, <laughs> there was
0: no mercy.
1: <laughs> play silly games, win silly prizes. There's a phrase about finding out as well, but I'm not going to swear on a podcast. You get what you deserve.
0: Yeah, and actually I found this quite interesting because if you watch a football game and a player engages with a with a streaker or a, you know, a pitch invader, they'll get a yellow card. Which... Yeah to me feels like ridiculous that person has decided to break the rules to invade the pitch they sort of get whatever's coming to them in my opinion and it was nice to see that he didn't get ejected for taking him out it was just right let's shift this player on and let's get the game moving again
1: well, the, the steward wasn't going to catch him, so he needed a little bit of help. <laughs> so uh, they had to play the double team, but it came through. But anyway, let's talk Rams 49ers. Rams were outplayed by a good San Fran defense on Monday night. Stafford soaked up seven sacks through the game. Do you remember when the Rams had a good offensive line? Do you, do you remember some point last year where they were protecting Stafford? Absolutely wasn't happening at all this week. Are they the same team as last year, Charles? Are they still a playoff team? Will they make playoffs? Do
0: you know what? The the way things are going, I am not certain that they definitely will. Their O-line was something that we highlighted at the beginning of the season. And we talked about Whitworth and we talked about how that line had changed. I didn't expect the losses that they had there to have as a dramatic impact as it has had but I would argue not just to the protection of Stafford but also to the run game as well because we thought that Akers might be having a little bit more success here this time around and he's he's not even coming to the savior of the Rams either they've got no run game at the moment they've got no pass game offensively they're massively struggling Akers did
1: next to nothing On Monday night and when you consider like you know we don't like to talk about fantasy too much but just to put things into perspective he was what a second third round fantasy pick this year he he was supposed to be the bell cow of a ball carrier now okay they went committee but you'd still think he'd get some of that pie I mean he got nothing going on the ground on monday night eight carries 13 yards averaging 1.6 yards a carry his longest carry was six yards you take away his longest out the equation and he had seven carries for seven yards seven carries for seven yards if you take his long of six impressive yards out of it that's cam Akers. daryl henderson wasn't much better seven carries 27 yards averaging 3.9 whatever the ground game was just pants of course, Cooper Cup was involved. Cooper Cup, uh, I hope that the doubt is now, just appreciate how good he truly is. But Cup and Higby between them had 33 targets, 24 receptions. There was nothing offensively in this team outside Cup and Higby. And basically, if you can at least keep Cup to less than 150 yards, there's not much else in this Los Angeles team at the minute.
0: So, where do you think they go from here, Joe? Because. There's some glaring issues with this O-line that they need to fix. But they're a team on borrowed time, really, because Donald's not going to play forever. They have players that are coming to the end of contracts. This felt like a kind of, let's try and run it back. But they only had like a year or two left to do that before they potentially had to look at a new shaped team. Do you think they go panic buying now and they try and patch up the problem? Or do they have to see where the dice lands and maybe reform next season?
1: Yeah, Charles, that's a great question. And it's interesting you talk about kind of where they go from here because we talk about that that window the Rams have and we spoke about windows and what windows really are in the past. But windows are created by rookies on rookie contracts. That's how you create windows. It's not by players on contracts, it's not by people's ages. It's having... Cheap players in prime positions which allow you to spend elsewhere to build a window. That's what a window is. You build windows around the drafts. And in the 2023 draft, the Rams don't have a first round pick because they traded that first round pick two years ago for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, who I think people are starting to see after all that hype that he was given last year, all this, oh, he was wasted at the lines for all this time and that, and that he's as good as Aaron Rodgers and that kind of stuff. He's what we said he is, he's maybe creeping into the top 10 quarterbacks, but he's definitely not a top five quarterback. He's probably not a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, he'll go in the top 15. That's Matthew Stafford. That's his ceiling. That's where he is. He's not good enough to drive this team for its failings. And this team has failings right now. Like you said, the offensive line shouldn't be this bad. For the losses it had, don't get me wrong, losing an aged Whitworth, not at the height of his power, shouldn't turn you into a very bad line overnight. But for whatever reason, this is a very bad line. The defence isn't getting the pressure that it got last season. The cornerbacks aren't quite as effective as they were last season. Everything except for Cooper Cup isn't quite as good. It's going to be hard, Charles. When you don't have a first-round pick and you're a team with clear areas they need to work on, I think this team needs to look at how it's been building and how it's been built and take a step back. I don't have the answers. I, I really don't, but... I would expect that some of the answers
0: will come from trading away talent and that implies a rebuild. And I think this could potentially be the biggest test of Sean McVay's career because obviously he he burnt bright and he burnt fast. But now is where the real hard grind starts for him. He's won his first Super Bowl. They're now struggling on the back end of that and, and they find themselves without a lot of draft capital moving forward. This is a tricky situation for them to be in. I think now we're really going to see the value of Sean McVeigh and how talented he is.
1: And Les us need as well. Les us need the uh, GM. Look, look. I don't want to be too critical because at the end of the day, the strategy you have taken and the way they've played this, they won a Super Bowl. The Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. The Bills have never won a Super Bowl. There's, I think, eight teams who've never been to a Super Bowl. They've got a Super Bowl. So they've achieved that. But if they were thinking longer term, if they did think there was a medium term plan, it's just not working right now. Uh, Like you say, a big challenge for Sean McVay, big challenge for Les Snead. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where to begin really. Arguably, it has to start with coaching because you're not going to go and draft a player unless you trade away players and imply that rebuild, which then implies you're not winning. Yeah, tough way back, tough way back. I need to start winning.
0: And then on the flip side of things, Goff is absolutely balling out of the Lions. It's like a complete 180.
1: Goff, the quarterback for the highest scoring offense in the league right now 140 points through four games, averaging 35 points a game. Outstanding number, Charles.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic to see. I mean, this was a this was a Lions team that I thought could cause a few upsets last season. And for whatever reason, that didn't transpire. They've got a new head coach in now and and things are clicking, which is great to see. Um, they're a really exciting team to watch. Now, as much as...
1: Are they clicking, though?
0: Well, this is the thing, because as much as we praise... They're one and their, three. Yeah, but as much as we praise their offense, where they're letting themselves down is their defense.
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, a, a quick interesting fact. The Lions are the top-ranked scoring offense in the league. No team has scored as many points as they have. They are the bottom, of the 32nd rank scoring defense in the league. No team has conceded as many points as them. The last team to hold this honor was the 2000 St. Louis Rams. So they've lost those games. But... The manner of those defeats... They lost to the Seahawks by 3 points... To the Vikings by 4 points... To the Eagles top of the NFC by 3 points... You flip those around... And this Lions team could be 4-0... They could be 4-0 and having beat the Eagles... Beat the 3-1 and Vikings... Beat the 2-2 Seahawks... They've played good teams and lost by narrow margins... That defence... It doesn't... It seemingly doesn't even need to be a good defence... It just needs to be a slightly better defence... And this is... This is a team that can beat most teams... Because if you can score that many points
0: you should have a good chance against anyone yeah and i think they're starting to develop a kind of core in that team and a way they want to build around and from there it's a lot easier to tweak than when you're stood in the middle of a kitchen fire and you're trying to put out everything they've got direction
1: do you think they're biting kneecaps? That was what Dan Campbell said he was going to do when he came in. Do you, <laughs> do you, do you think that's their style of play? Because I, that, to me, implies defence. It implies being a bit like you know tenacious in a tackle. I wouldn't say they're biting kneecaps, but they're certainly scoring points. No, I
0: think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, right, let's move. Let's move on to the Packers and the Patriots then, because. That was a strange game, and I'll be perfectly honest. I went into this thinking it wouldn't even be that much of a competition. You had Mac Jones out. You had a, a couple of their running backs sort of knocked up and dealing with niggling injuries, things like that. I just thought, where are they going to go from here? But, well, it certainly didn't go the way I was expecting, that's for sure. Who is Bailey Zap? Now, I'm, I generally think that I have quite a good
1: quite a good steer on players in the league. I can name most kind of second string squads. Bailey Zapps came out of nowhere, played a great game, but
0: Green Bay surely shouldn't have struggled against him as much as they did. Yeah, I mean, you might have the stats in front of you, so you might be able to call me out on this. From watching the game, I think what he did was he played very sensibly and he managed the game very well. I'm not sure if he caused green bay trouble because they ran the ball a hell of a lot and we've already talked about the way that green bay set up defensively they often aren't as good at defending the run i suppose the real concern was though it became very apparent that almost every you know three out of four plays were seemingly a run play and they still couldn't shut it down effectively that again it was just concerning to see
1: yeah, well, you say it like it's a small thing, but just playing sensibly and not doing stupid things with a ball as a quarterback, I think a lot of established quarterbacks could probably learn from oh, that. Oh, yeah. You're kind of right with what you say, though. Uh, 10 completed passes from 15 attempts, small numbers, 99 yards. He had a pass TD, but he didn't turn the ball over, which is key. He didn't turn the ball over. He was hit three times. He was sacked three times, but he had ball security and kept his team in it and allowed the team to play on the ground. Now, you've got to look at the... New England offensive line, when teams know the run is coming, but you can still you know, get movement on the ground that speaks oodles for what the offensive line is doing there. Harris, Stevenson, both had good games. But I want to posit a question to you, Charles. And I feel that I, I could be coming from a salty Viking place. But you look at most power rankings and Green Bay are ranks top five still. I think that if you took an average of every power ranking, they probably are mean and median and mode coming up fourth. Is this the fourth best team in the league? And after a performance like we saw on Sunday night, should they still be fourth in the power rankings?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's weird because as a Green Bay fan, I'm probably a very harsh critic, I feel. But I look at this team and I think they... I think they definitely shouldn't be in that spot. I think that they are they're doing okay and look at the end of the day a wins a win. It can be easy to not win if that makes sense, you know. It we we talked about the lions and how close the margins of games can be and you can easily be on the wrong side of that. So if you're finding yourself on the winning side you're doing something right, but I don't think this Packers team even look as good as the Packers team did last season. And they didn't even make it all the way to the Super Bowl. So, you know,
1: they didn't even make it all the way to the Super Bowl. If I've ever heard an entitled Green Bay statement before, that's it right there, Charles. But you're right.
0: Well, yeah, but if you don't make it to the Super Bowl, you can't say that you're, you know, in the top tiny percentage of of teams. You know, if you're talking about top four, uh, I mean, they got knocked out by San Fran at home.
1: And they've lost talent since well, then exactly. as well. exactly. Devontae Adams
0: has gone. They're, they're Devontae Adams down. Yeah, who's Rodgers throwing to? I mean, he had mixed success, you know, with our new rookie. Devarious Yeah, Smith with our new rookie Smith wide well. receiver. Yeah, and De- De- Demarius Smith. Cobb seems to be one of the few players that we can, you know, lean on from time to time. But... Um,
1: but I think he's standing out because there's there's so little talent that Rodgers trusts to throw the ball to. I'm not even going to go into that again. But <laughs> it's because he's given so many targets to Cobb. Yeah, at the expense of Yeah, others. yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I personally, I think. For us, it's our running backs that are keeping us in it at the moment. I, I don't think that Rodgers and the wide receiver core are the ones that are propelling us forward. I think we've become, thankfully, we, we've got a fantastic one-two you know, run-back room in Green Bay. And it's it's keeping us alive, especially in these attritional games uh, like New England. Well, Rodgers was terrible
1: that first half against yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, it really was. I, I think it was like four for 11, there was a the pick six all right, fine, he made up for it in the second half. But, I mean, terrible, terrible start to that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's not dwell on it too much then, Joe, because I'll I'll start getting very glum and moody. Uh, Why don't we talk about your team? Because you had the opportunity to see the Vikings live at Tottenham Stadium. Tell us all about that
1: yeah so uh crazy week my football week actually started on thursday i have a fortune to be on the vikings cheerleaders bus uh driving around london taking photos which was an extremely weird experience did you learn
0: any new cheers joe were you able to put that into good effect at the stadium (laughs)
1: um i I definitely was watching it but i don't think i picked anything up um (laughs) So so just for a bit of context, I'm a member of the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings Fan Club. There was a competition where it was billed as the opportunity of a lifetime for Vikings fans. So we had Vikings fans driving down from Scotland, from Cornwall, from all four corners of the country. And yeah, and we spent the morning basically being the hype men and women for the cheerleaders, driving around in an open-top bus shouting skull at random Japanese tourists. (laughs) Uh, it 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 was absolutely surreal. Probably the most surreal thing that I've ever had in my involvement with American football. We went to Trafalgar Square, went to Parliament Square, went to Hyde Park, and then they gave me a hat and kicked me off the bus. I hadn't done anything. Then... I did go and get to see Chris Carter, which was which was wild. Um, but yeah, so game started. Hang on, on Joe. Are so- you
0: overlooking the, the most famous Chris that you saw on on that journey?
1: yeah yeah and and, uh, Chris Hughes of Love Island was also a hype man for the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders he wasn't treated any different from any of us I would have to say he was he was a a very grounded and very pleasant chap I had a great time talking to him but absolutely surreal you've got someone from Love Island you've got all the cheerleaders there and he's just driving around London shouting a lot not what I expected to do at the start of a week but that's how it went so that was my Thursday. There was a lot of stuff going on with the Vikings fan club. I mean, they had the Barrow Boy and Banker Pub basically booked for the whole weekend. Fans packed it out from US, from the UK all weekend. Great atmosphere. No trouble at all. Great time had by all fans. Things went off without a hitch. Did the Skull March from the Victoria Pub to the stadium. I didn't get involved with that one because I'd just got, been Vikinged out by Sunday morning. But the fans did that. It looked great. And then, yeah, I mean, a great result in... I'm biased, but what I would probably say is the best London game we've had in 15 years of the International Series. Close until the literal last double-doink kick of a game. Couldn't have been closer. The game had everything and a great atmosphere in Tottenham because one thing I was perhaps apprehensive about was there was was a lot of strange behaviour that we hadn't seen at London Series games previously. I'm talking beer snakes, but people throwing beer cups around... Uh, a lot of fans getting upset with the behaviour of other fans. People just generally acting yobbish and not being there, perhaps in the spirit of what the games have been played in, which has been a respective, well-versed, knowledgeable audience. We didn't see that in a couple of the London Series games last time round. But absolutely perfect atmosphere during the game there. Audience was really switched on. Great vibes. Yeah. You're in for a treat this weekend when your Packers come over, Charles.
0: The double doink was incredible. I was watching that on Red Zone and I just, I was mouth agape with that. What a way to finish and what a to the death that kind of was for all the fans there. But that was between, you know, two teams who had a winning record and a losing record. And we're going here, you know, Packers versus Giants first two teams in an international series who both have winning records so let's hope the standard of that competition remains because as good as that Viking Saints game was it'd be great if we could see that again in Packers Giants and you know even on into Jaguars Broncos
1: yeah and and look they've there have been some good games through the years. I think that the London games have had a bit of a reputation in the past... Of perhaps not having the most animated audiences... Which you're going to have when the crowd is almost evenly split between 32 teams. You're, you're going to get that. The difference I think this weekend was that there was a lot of partisan fans. There were a lot of purple there and there was a lot of black and gold... wherever the Saints were. You could really see it standing out. And even the fans who were there for other teams... There was an extremely annoying Packers fan sat in front of me who was cheering every single Saints play and booing every single Vikings play. So the fans were doing the right things. The fans were...
0: God bless that man. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um, it really made for a great atmosphere there. I'm going to be there on Sunday absolutely cheering on Daniel Jones and the Giants. I think the vibes will be excellent. And I mean, you know... Giants and Packers, is, it's a historic match Yeah, uh, I know it's the first time that the Packers have come over, but Giants and Packers are two of the oldest teams in the league. They've been around forever. There's a rivalry there. It should be a great atmosphere. Um, Spurs Stadium, can't speak strongly enough for it. Great kind of game day vibes. You're not going to get a tailgating experience there, but if we're honest, that's not been at Wembley for a long time. Ever since they filled in the car park underneath the Wembley Way there and, and got rid of all of that, There's not really been the opportunity to tailgate or get stuff on the external part of Centre Wembley. Definitely can't really do that at Spurs. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of food stands. There is a merchandise shop, but I would advise staying well clear about The queues were tremendously long, miles long. And once you got inside, it was last year's gear on at full price. Would not recommend. You'd think that a lot of people didn't know you can get merchandise on the internet. But (laughs) um, aside from that, seriously, seriously, the queues were going on and on and on forever. I think they finished up somewhere down Seven Sisters Station, but not worth it. Get your gear online after the game. Get inside. Enjoy the game. It should be great. Really looking forward to it. Charles. When are we going to
0: get some of that sweet online apparel sponsorship money, Joe? Because then we can start pushing people to a real online store.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's see uh, if fanatics return my call.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say that name on air for free, Joe. Okay. <laughs> Come on. You've got to hold something back here, baby. <laughs> Well, uh, Joe, we're both going to be at the game this weekend. I'm massively looking forward to it. Never seen the Packers live, so I'm completely buzzing. But I don't know about you, Joe, but it feels quite open at the moment. You know, there's there's a few teams that are, are separating themselves, but there's quite a bit of competition. And the, there doesn't seem to be that kind of same team winning week in, week out all the time. It, it feels like it's close competition at the moment. I'm thoroughly enjoying that.
1: I definitely agree with you in the sense of the NFC, but it doesn't really seem to be a dominant NFC team right now. There's, you've got the Eagles, and got to give the Eagles credit for what they've yeah. achieved in their first four games, but you go past the Eagles, and does any team really genuinely look that good? Like I said, the Packers are probably the second-ranked NFC team in most people's power rankings. I don't agree with that whatsoever, but the teams people did think would be good before the season, the Bucks. we said they wouldn't be, but hey, the have haven't been that good. Rams haven't been that good and then you've got lots of maybes after that afc there's a bit more of a hierarchy there we see the cream rise to the top but still look a lot of season to play
0: and looking forward to all of it joe well i mean i'll speak to you on sunday but
1: (laughs) i'll see you on sunday Sunday. i don't know if you want to speak to me after sunday (laughs) uh, if, if it goes the giants way but yeah definitely see you for a beer beforehand and if anyone else sees us there look forward to having a beer with you then as well
0: until next week
1: until next week